How does the Beatles' first appearance on The Ed Sullivan Show, as well as the Rolling Stones' first U.S. performance at the Swing Auditorium in Southern California, relate to the Walkman, the iPod, and music as we know it today? Find out about all this and more on Full Circle Analog, the podcast hosted by Brad Blue, the man who, like many, was there through it all. The first and second British invasion, Bruce Springsteen, Elton John, and so, so many more. As well as sometimes me, Alec Blue his son and fellow lover of music, who comes on to provide a more modern perspective as well as learn about the past. We are coming up on the anniversary of Woodstock, coming up next month. But uh, this past weekend, we uh, were on our Facebook page. We spent a great deal of time talking about it, showing videos um, from YouTube, um, what we were doing was remembering July 13th, 1985, which was the date of Live Aid, which was a concert held in Wembley Stadium in the UK and JFK Stadium in Philadelphia to raise money for Ethiopian famine victims. It raised $127 million in 1985 money, um, a debate still raises, is raised about how that money was used, but from a concert perspective, it was an amazing experience. Uh, the concert was 16 hours in length, simultaneously on two continents in the U.S. and U.K., and every major band that was anybody um, participated. The British Titans of Rock uh, performed mostly on their own stage, although the Rolling Stones played on the American stage. Um, but throughout the 16-hour affair, there were, I mean, from David Bowie, we just list a few of the names here. I mean, we went from, we started, the very first thing we showed was David Bowie, although the actual order, I have no idea. Um, Elton John by himself, Elton John, George Michael, when George Michael was with us, singing Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me, The Beach Boys, um, Sting with Phil Collins, Sting with... Dire Straits, Money for Nothing, and I'll mention something about Phil Collins a little bit later on, which was kind of mind-blowing, even back then. Um, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Elvis Costello, The Cars, The Four Tops, U2, The Who, uh, Zeppelin played, um, Queen, of course Queen was... uh, that particular concert was considered to be their shining moment and I believe was a large part of the movie Bohemian Rhapsody. I have not seen the movie, but you can see on YouTube a comparison to the actor who played Freddie and Freddie and how they reenacted that performance. I mean, I personally saw Queen a couple of times. I actually saw them more than a couple times. But I saw them twice when they were getting big, really big, 
their Night at the Opera and Day at the Races album tour at the Forum in Los Angeles. And it was, to this day, I can't decide if it was my favorite concert or second favorite concert. The Welcome Back, My Friends, to the Show That Never Ends, ELP's 1974 World Tour, uh, I think slightly gets the edge, but you could tell that Queen was something special on that tour, and they were going to be one of the great, great bands of all time. If you saw Freddie Mercury, and you know he was something special, and the whole band was great. Of course, Brian May is not talked about in as many circles as I think he should be as one of the great rock guitarists of all time, but the Brian May sound was integral to Queen and that hard rock sound that they delivered along with Roger Taylor and John Deacon. Um, Awesome stuff. So anyway, Queen always gets the notoriety about Live Aid and, um, there was lots of great music and, and different stuff, too. I mean, to continue my list, you know, um, Madonna played. Um, I, um, Crosby, Stills, Nash. Neil Young played. We, Hall & Oates. Duran Duran. A lot of 80s bands and a lot of bands from England that weren't huge here in the States. Um, but uh, REO Speedwagon from the Midwest here in the States, they played. Um, Bob Dylan played, and he played with uh, Keith Richards and Ron Wood, too. So Ron Wood was already with the Stones back in 1985. Um, Tina Turner and Mick Jagger performed together. Eric Clapton. So, you know, it was huge. It was absolutely huge. And it ended with Paul McCartney singing Let It Be, because they uh, wanted an elder statesman to uh, end the festivities, someone who uh, could make put a final note on it, and to have Sir Paul, he wasn't even Sir Paul then, uh, perform, um, was kind of the icing on the cake. Um, but those are some of the highlights. What led up to this concert? I mean, we're talking about Woodstock. Woodstock was, I mean, I was 13 years old when Woodstock happened uh, not old enough to go i don't think i would have gone i've never really been a fan of outdoor concerts but i'm in the minority there as they constantly fill these festival type seatings festival type seatings were rare back in the day that's what they called it which was standing room only i like reserved seats and i like to be able to sit down if any of you boomers out there have been to concerts over the last 10 years you might have noticed that you never get to sit down if you want to see. And that sucks. I mean, ever since the day of mosh pits on uh, rock concerts, uh, I don't attend anymore because I'm not comfortable having to stand or deal with crazies. First time I ever saw something like that was years before. And once again, we'll talk about Queen. The last time I saw Queen was at a small concert venue. I mean, it would be like a 5,000 seat deal. And I was blown away. I mean, we had great seats, but it was, if you can believe it, too small a venue for their big arena sound. And uh, Billy Squire opened for them, and I actually think he had a better set than Queen. 
Um, and that's where we first saw the mosh pit kind of thing, people lunging on top of us. My, I was trying to protect my then-girlfriend, now my wife, and my wife's best friend and her boyfriend was there, and we spent half the concert pushing these kids and were literally jumping behind us because there was an aisle behind us, just lunging like we were going to catch them or something. I was like, get the F out of here. It was crazy. I hated it, you know. We went to the concerts back then to listen and watch the band, not to jump around and create mayhem and uh, definitely not to stand up the whole time. But I digress. Back to some of the background that, that, you know, Woodstock had already happened in 1969. And so now we're years later, and uh, really the second British invasion, the progressive rock movement has pretty much come and gone. We've got Elton John and Springsteen coming up, who are the biggies now in the pop scene. And then the 80s bands uh, and the 80s music. And then we moved into, you know, the harder-edge punk music back then and um but now we're in the we're in the middle of the 80s music with the pastel colors and the padded shoulders and the coiffed hair no matter if it was a male or female band it's funny to look at how band members dressed back in the 80s um in this particular concert duran duran was there and other bands um a lot of I know Howard Jones was there. He played keyboard for Bowie's set. Bowie kind of just threw a band together of people that were there. I mean, if David Bowie walked around, the word got around that hey, David Bowie needs some guys to play. Wouldn't you raise your hand? <laughs> I mean, and his and they were great. He had singers, keyboard, drums, you know, guitars, bass. I'd never heard of any of these guys. Howard Jones was the only guy I recognized, and he got quite a. Uh, you know, introduction from Bowie as well, um, which was cool because he deserves it. I like Howard Jones. Um, so uh, this whole thing started previous to that with, uh, you know, we had these uh, Save the Children um, songs, Do They Know It's Christmas, um, where proceeds from that song and everybody who was anybody sang on that in one big room, uh, including Boy George. And Boy George made some comment that he would like to take that idea and put it on a bigger scale. And of all people, Bob Geldof, and uh, there's another person whose last name is Yuri or something like that, U-R-E, um, who were really the driving forces behind what became Live Aid. Um, so it kind of springboarded from Do They Know It's Christmas, the song that came out, uh, I think it was 1984. Uh, Ethiopia, uh, the famine had started uh, on a Michael uh, Bjorks uh, on the BBC, did a report on it, and that seemed to really grab the British attention, including Boy George. Uh, so it's springboarded from Boy George to Bob Geldof, who, because of his efforts uh, to help the less fortunate or the dying, became in later years Sir Bob Geldof, to tip our cap to his efforts to... Uh, of course, Bob Geldof, if you don't know, uh, was in a group called the Boomtown Rats, which is kind of a weird title for a band. 
but their hit record was based on a true story of a girl, teenage girl in San Diego, California, who got a gun out of the gun cabinet or wherever in the house she was living in and started shooting at kids going to school and ended up spending her life in prison. And they asked her why she did it, and she said, I don't like Mondays, was her reasoning. And so Bob Geldof heard about this and wrote a song called I Don't Like Mondays, um, I want to shoot the whole day down. It was a huge hit for them, and it was a great song. It's kind of like um, Aerosmith doing Jenny's Got a Gun. I think that's the name of it. Um, you know, highlighting you know a heinous you know situation, abuse. In this case, it, I believe people were killed. School children, children were killed. Anyway, that's a little bit about too much about Bob Geldof and uh, a little backstory on that. But uh, so it started with uh, securing Wembley Stadium, and then um, due to some connections in the industry, some guy who actually created the instant replay machine had some connections in the states to some producers and they started talking and they secured JFK stadium for the American end of the concert. And of course, you know, a few big name acts come on as a matter of fact, in the United States, um, Bill Graham, the famous, uh, rock promoter producer, um, was in charge of the American show and introduced several of the acts, and a lot of celebrities too, Jack Nicholson and others, uh, came on and introduced, you know, I saw video clips of Jack Nicholson introducing Bob Dylan uh, and others. So um, the whole thing snowballed, and they picked July 13th, 1985, to do the concert, and it was... Uh, now they were getting better at the technology of satellite feeds where you could beam a live event to via satellite and then watch it at home. Now, at the time, it was streamed live on MTV because, you know, in the mid-'80s, MTV was it. And to some of us, MTV was not so good to uh with rock and roll because it became all about the video and truth be told i think of all the videos i ever saw on mtv there was probably two or three of them that i thought were ever any good the rest of them were just a f waste of time um and uh but that was the changing face of music we had the 80s sound and uh we had the 80s look before we got into that punk scene and music went off in yet another direction and i could personally could never get into punk it was just i like to joke how come those nice looking young men are so angry <laughs> i mean i grew up with the first british invasion the second british invasion which i call progressive rock those were my favoriteest bands the bands that came up late 60s the beatles were finishing up their historic impact on the world and the other groups just seemed to ride the next wave as the Beatles were done and I'm talking about yes the who 
Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, Genesis. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, King Crimson, you know, we all have our favorites. And those were the, that was to me the pinnacle of the rock era. And when that started to peak, probably in the late 70s, maybe into the early 80s, I could see an era had passed and I was bummed about it. Imagine growing up through the 60s and 70s and seeing and hearing all this stuff for the first time. That was really something. You know, life changed completely when the Beatles came on radio and then the Ed Sullivan Show. Pop music became something a whole lot more important and uh, affected our lives from that point on. So we, uh, we had a good run from 64 uh, on the Ed Sullivan Show all the way through the 70s. We're talking, you know, 16 years of every single uh, month, you know, Who's going to be in con, especially in the late 60s, into early 70s? You know, a band came out with a record, you knew they were going to go on tour. And the tours got better and better and better. The sound got better and better and better. And just walking in the arena and going, whoa, looking at the setup, the way the stage was set up, and the lighting. And it was just really something. I was, I was so great growing up in the 70s and going to see. It was not impossible to get tickets. You could get tickets. They may not be great tickets, but you could get tickets to get in, and they were affordable. Um, it wasn't until music got completely incorporated by the 80s that ticket prices, like today, I mean, to go to see a concert is, geez, King's Ransom practically. You have to really love your nostalgia to go back and uh, participate in that. So anyway... The concert, when it was said and done, was considered to be just another one of those main major events. Um, so many great bands played. You can review my Facebook page uh, over the weekend of Jan July 13th and 14th uh, and look at video clips, or you can click on Live Aid 1985 on YouTube or Bing, and you can watch individual songs by all these artists it gets kind of addictive. Uh, one interesting factoid I mentioned: Phil Collins sang, uh, sang yes, he sang. Uh, oh gosh, against all odds, the hit from the movie. Um, but he also played um, with uh, other bands. Sting, he played with Eric Clapton, and he was the drummer for Led Zeppelin in their set at JFK. Zeppelin and the Stones actually played on the American stage. Uh, and Zeppelin, of course, didn't have a drummer because John Bonham had died in 1978. And before Jason Bonham came along, he, he wasn't old enough then. Um, he was just a child, I'm sure. Um, Phil Collins played drums. You can see Jimmy and, uh, and uh, John Paul Jones wasn't in the band either. It was just uh, Plant and Page and Phil Collins. And I don't know who the guy was on bass. Um, but I could see that just briefly watching the video when the camera moved around because, of course, the camera stayed on page and plant most of the time. So um, Phil Collins was all over the place. And on the plane, the Concorde coming over, he saw Cher of Sonny and Cher fame. Everybody knows Cher. And Cher didn't know anything about the concert, so you can imagine um, 
When they reached the U.S., she attended the concert and actually got on stage to perform uh, We Are the World. Amazing stuff, these little side stories, and I'm sure there's a million more. Any of you that went to the concert probably saw something that has not been written about on Wikipedia or anything anything else. So um, there were some glitches during the thing, of course, when... uh, the microphone on Paul McCartney's piano failed for the first two minutes of the song, uh, which was a hassle. Um, a matter of fact, years later, Paul went in and redubbed in the piano part for uh, a later release. Um, you can imagine something on that scale, uh, they would have glitches. So, um, anyway. That's it for uh, this day in history. We're talking about July 13th, 1985, which was a historical day in rock, the day that was Live Aid 1985 for Ethiopian Famine Relief. All right, that's it for this episode of the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We started Old Days New Ways to help people take their old audio and video tech and convert it to the digital age. If you're interested in getting that done or you want to keep up to date with all the awesome offers we have because we know that technology can be a daunting experience, you can go ahead and check us out at www.odnws.com. That's our website and our two main tabs are Book Now and Learn How. Learn How is our up-to-date offers on how you can learn modern technology, and Book Now is where you can schedule appointments with us to help get your technology transferred to the modern age. So thanks for listening. Tune in next time.